God, thank you, Lord, how great you are, Lord, as we've been singing, and how great is your mercy and grace toward us. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, God. Your compassions, they fail not. Lord, thank you that you love us so much, and your aloha toward us, God, is what floods out of our hearts to each other, but it starts with your love to us. And thank you, God, that no matter what we've done or how we failed you, God, no matter, God, we can come to the cross and find forgiveness and be renewed, have a, a, a second chance, God. And I pray, Lord, as we get into this passage that, Lord, we would see your heart, a shepherd's heart for us, a love that you have for your sheep. So bless your word. Anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the hardest tongue twister is this. And you know what? I forgot. I was going to put it on the screen. But I'll try and say this. And I can only say it slow. But this is the Guinness Book of World Records. The hardest tongue twister is this. The sixth sick sheiks, sixth sheeps sick. <laughs> okay, try that. The, the six, six sheep, six sheep, sick. Yeah, anyway, I can't say it. Whatever. Anyway, I found, though, another one that is not so hard, and actually it was the title of an old news article. And the title was this, Sheep Shoots Sleeping Shepherd. And it's true. A 20-year-old Egyptian shepherd, uh, Mok Mok. Tar Adam Fadal, I can't say that either, was sleeping beside his flock when he was shot by one of his sheep. Amazing. Police said that the sheep accidentally came over, kicked his gun, and fired him, hitting this Bedouin. I thought, well, maybe the sheep wasn't too happy uh, with the job the shepherd was doing. Now, we know that sh the shepherd has a special relationship with his sheep, right? And I have to say this. I have to ask you this. Why was the sheep so happy when the shepherd let her dance? Because she always dreamed of being a ballerina. <laughs> I have to say some of this. <laughs> really? <laughs> I got one huh? thumbs up. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, I'm not done. What kind of fruit, now, what kind of fruit do shepherds feed their sheep? Bananas, right? Okay, one more. Why did the dog stop listening to the shepherd's jokes? Because they're bad. Well, not really. He heard them all. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, stop already. Go on. Well, today in our study in the book of 1 Peter, we're going to talk about shepherds and how they shepherd the Savior sheep, there's a tongue twister, the flock of God. And we find in our passage here this morning, the shepherd's heart. And that's the title of our message, the shepherd's heart, the shepherd's heart. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 from verse 1 through 4 from verse 1 through 4. And, and here, Peter really focuses in on the shepherd's heart. And we're going to see three things, and this is our point and our outline. Number one, the mission. Number two, the manner. And number three, the motive. So that's what we're going to be finding here, those three things about the shepherd's heart, our title once again, the shepherd's heart. So let's begin with number one here. Our first thing we're going to see is the mission. The mission. And here we're just going to look at verse 1 and go cross over into verse 2 a little bit. So I have there verse 1 to 2 a. And so this is the mission. Take a look with me there. Verse 1, it says, So, Peter chapter 5, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And then verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God. Now, we'll stop right there. Now, Peter begins here. This, we're coming into this last section, really, of the book of 1 Peter. It's this last chapter. 
And he comes in here on how he is exhorting the elders. Now, the elders, he's speaking really to the leaders in the different churches. Remember, the New Testament epistles or letters that we're reading here in our Bibles, they were, they were written and then they were passed around in the churches to be read and the people, the believers, heard this. So this section is really focusing in on the elders, the leaders of the church, like the pastors and assistant pastors and those who, who God had put there to really lead the church, run the church. And so he says, I exhort. Now that word could be, uh, in, in the original language, it means like to encourage or I strongly encourage you. Uh, but here we see it more toward the meaning of I'm calling you guys. I'm really calling you guys to do something. And so Peter calls on the leadership of all these churches to really step up in the challenging times that they live in. You remember when, when um, uh, we've been looking at this, that, that the church has been going through a lot of hard times here. And notice in verse 1, he begins with the word so. Now, that's connecting us to what we saw last time. You could just look at verse 19. Remember, we ended our study last week where Peter said, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will uh, entrust their souls to a faithful creator, creator while doing good. So he's calling on the, the leadership since, yeah, we're facing this suffering. And, and God in his sovereign will is allowed, and like we, we learned last week, He's saying, look, you guys need to step up to fulfill your calling from God. And what is this calling? It's this, the mission, the mission. In what we saw in verse 2, to shepherd the flock of God. So right away, Peter's like, here's your mission. Here's your calling. Here's what we, we, you need to do. You need to shepherd the flock of God. As I mentioned, they're going through a lot of hard times, right? We've, I almost saying this every Sunday, right? Because it's just what he's writing about. The Christians here are going through heavy persecution, severe persecution. Nero's going crazy, right? Uh, burned Rome down, talked about that last week, blamed it on the Christians. So society was already against the believers, but now even more so with the push of the government and, and all this crazy stuff, people losing their jobs and uh, 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 being you know, pushed out of society and everything. So it's a hard time for Christians. It's rough out there. And so Peter's like, you know, you guys, we need to step up here. In these trying times, you need to be leading the flock of God. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about Jesus when he was alive on the earth. And he looked out at the multitudes. If you remember, he said this in Matthew 9, 36. He, he looked out and he, he looked out the verses at the crowds. And it says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so that's the heart of this. Peter's like, look, we're, we're going through some rough times. You guys are being harassed. The churches, the believers are. And so with compassion here, we got to step up and be the shepherds of God's flock. Now, in, in verse 1, he goes on to say that uh, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And I like this second part of verse 1, because Peter does not call the leadership of the church in some high apostolic authority, you know. Um, I know those are big words, huh? Like this high makamaka, right? And like he's, he's like coming down on them. But no, he comes with a humble heart. First of all, look what he says. He says, as a fellow elder. And others, look, I'm with you in this. We're, well, I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're, we're in this together. And secondly, he says, and like he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And others, he saw how our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, gave his life for sheep, suffered for his sheep, us. And it's like Peter saying, look, you know, I want to be like that too. I saw 
what Jesus did, how he went through all these hard times, and he still led us. And the third thing, he says that as well as a partaker, I'm a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. What he's saying is, look, I'm in the trenches with you. And then together, you know, we're going to all see the glory of Jesus being revealed. In other words, you and I, we'll, we'll all see our shepherd Jesus one day soon. And we talked about how many, how in the last time, how when Christ is revealed, uh, we'll be with him. The trial will be ended. The troubles will be ended. All of that. So here's Peter bringing this up. Like, like you know, I, I'm a partaker too of this. So in this mission, here's Peter. He's saying, we are all serving together. The mission, in this mission, we are all serving together. Now, I want to say something before we go on. Before you maybe turn off your brains, before you like check out saying, well, I'm not a leader in the church. Oh, I'm, I'm not called to that. I mean, I'm, I'm just the one in back. Or, or, or I like to come and just sit, which isn't, the right thing you got to serve but that's another subject but may before you start saying well this is implied to me it can still apply in some of the basic principles we're going to see here so wherever god has you perhaps maybe some of the things we're going to see is what the holy spirit wants to talk to you about maybe you're here you're you're a husband yeah you're a father you're the spiritual leader of your family. You have a role here in a way of shepherding, caring for uh, your family. Uh, perhaps you're a mom. You're, you're, you're a mom. You care for your kids in that same manner. Perhaps you're here in church and you serve as a Keiki church teacher. You're leading your little tiny flock of little lambs, right? It, it, it can apply to all of us. Maybe your boss or owner at your work, or, or maybe you're looked up to just in your circle of friends. People like, you know, look up to you and they listen to you. Well, many of the things we're going to learn here applies to you too. And either way, we need to have a heart, wherever, wherever God has you, a heart like we see uh, that Peter's writing about here. So, anyway, Peter's saying, look, we're all in this together. This mission, we are all serving together. So he says in verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God. That's the mission, right? Now, notice that Peter brings this in, and he says, the flock of God. Who's that? That's the people, God's people, right? Believers, the people in the church. And we know throughout the Bible that it, uh, God uh, look, you know, talks about us as sheep and why is that well because us believers were like sheep and let me give you a few sheep facts here there's no jokes here so 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 it's okay all right no <laughs> anyway um one of the one sheep fact is this sheep they do not have any directional instincts in other words if they're the only ma animal that can get lost like just a mile away from their home They'll lose direction. Isn't that like us? We get lost in this world. Yeah? I don't know what to do. Oh, God, what, what, what I go? Oh, should I choose this or that or God? What? Right? We, we, we easily get lost. Even spiritually, we're tempted away. Easily. We're just like sheep. Another sheep fact is that the sheep cannot feed themselves properly. They cannot. That's why they need a shepherd to lead them to the green pastures. And even if they're there or they find some nice green, you know, food to eat, they'll eat, eat all the way down to the stubble and they'll just get into the dirt and eat dirt. And they, they, they'll just eat even toxic weeds. It's not like us, though. We get into things, you know, we get into toxic social media posts, yeah, and we just keep going and keep going, right? I, I have some, <laughs> I have a pastor friend that told me, you know, Rick, I stopped reading that stuff. It was like too much for me. And sometimes we just got to go, stop. Yeah. We're just like sheep. Sheep, they cannot find water on their own. They got to be led to 
cool, clear water. They'll just drink anything, even dirty water that could be poisonous to them. And I like, I mean, there's several things, but I was thinking about this. Uh, sheep are easily confused, and they're easily panicked, and they're easily led astray. I think, well, that's me. Yeah, I get confused. I, I can be filled with fear and panic and do things or say things that, you know, are not in the spirit. And easily aren't we led astray? We can be easily led astray from with this dark doctrine or this conspiracy theory or this. And we're like, oh, and then we get all crazy. So Peter comes in here and how God has in the Bible even presented us as sheep. And he's telling the pastors, the leaders of the church, shepherd the flock of God, God's sheep. Now, the word shepherd here means to care for, to tend to. It, it means to provide for and, and really come down to it. Some translations even say to feed the flock of God. And I think Peter's thinking of that because he knows this well, right? You remember in John 21, after Peter's denial, his failure with Christ and and Jesus had resurrected, appeared to them, and they're kind of waiting for him. What did they do? Many of the, the disciples went back to their old job, right? Fishing. Here's Peter fishing. He's back to fishing. And maybe, I, I always thought, well, maybe he thought, well, I failed God, you know, and uh, I denied him. I, I promised I wouldn't, and I did. And, well, I'm, I'm done. And he's back to fishing. And then what happens? Jesus appears, right? Uh, uh, tells him, oh, catch some fish here and, and stuff. And then he cooks some breakfast, right? And after breakfast and everything, he pulls Peter aside and, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, 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 I love you. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And then Jesus asked him again, do you love me? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Lord, yeah, I do. Then he said, what? Ten my sheep. And Jesus asked him again, and then answered Peter, or, or said to Peter, feed my sheep. He said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. I believe that was the moment Jesus was really calling him back into ministry to be now the shepherd to, of God's people. To what? Feed God's sheep. And how do pastors feed the flock of God? Right here, the word of God. The Word of God. And that's what we do every Sunday, Wednesday. We study the Word of God here. We learn it. And, 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 we, and we hear God speak to us through the Word of God here. And so here's Peter. He's saying, look, tend, care for God's flock. Feed them the Word of God. I was thinking about Paul. Remember Paul was on his way to Jerusalem saying bye to the Ephesian elders the, the elders of the Ephesian church and in Acts 20 27 he he, he was talking to him he was encouraging them and, and let me just uh, I'll just read this to you in 20 27 28 he 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 tells him I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God now there's the word of God here and then he tells him pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his blood. And so I see Paul like, look, I, I taught you the whole counsel of God. I taught you the word of God. And so do the same. Care for the flock in the same way. Be overseers in that same way. Teach the word of God. And so the mission, really, the primary mission is to feed the sheep with the word of God to feed the sheep the word of God isn't this important I mean most of us understand how important this is how important that we understand who God is who we are and are uh, how Christ has saved us who we are in Christ now who we are we find it here how God's character is love and mercy 
It can wash out those false thinking of, of, well, God hates me, God doesn't want me. No, everything I read in the New Testament is wow. And in the Bible, God loves me. The Old Testament said he loves me. Uh, he loves Israel with an everlasting love. That's God's heart. So it's important to get into the Word of God. And it's important, wherever God has you, as a shepherd, so to speak, the mission is to feed the, the Word of God, to give the Word of God. Jerry Vine said this, An unread Bible is like food uneaten. A love letter, letter never read. A buried sword, a roadmap unstudied, gold never mined. Isn't that great? I love that. But the first thing is, is what I want you to focus in on. An unread Bible is like food uneaten. The Word of God is our food. It's our spiritual food for our spiritual life. And if we get our spiritual life together, you know what? Everything else in life is going to fall into place. So God calls his shepherds primarily, priority-wise, to the spiritual work. Not just the physical caring or emotional caring or mental care. But the priority is spiritual. The priority is Jesus and his word. So this is what's in the shepherd's heart. This is the mission. Shepherd the flock of God. Let's go to number two now. The manner. The manner. And here we're going to cover verse, uh, the second part of verse 2 into verse 3. Take a look with me here. The second part, well, let's say verse 2 says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, as Peter writes this, as Peter calls them to shepherd the flock of God, he, he says after that, that is among you. In other words, where God placed you, where God has you. And as I said earlier, wherever God has you, principles that we're learning here can apply. And then he says, by exercising oversight. That's just a fancy way of saying watching over the flock. Just watch over the flock. I like how the NLT translates this. It puts verse 2 like this. Care for the flock that God has entrusted over you. Watch over it. So, in what manner now are we to fulfill that mission of watching over the flock? Well, this is, I want to show you three things. Here we find the manner the shepherd is to... uh, you know, shepherd the sheep in three ways. The number one is this, with a willing heart. With a willing heart. Look at verse 2 once again. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So the word compulsion means forced. Uh, You don't do it out of obligation. Uh, You do it willingly, like voluntarily. You do it by your own initiative. Uh, as God would have you, that's another way of saying the NSAB translate that um, according to the will of God. So as God called you this, uh, to shepherd the flock, you want to do it because you want to. You want to, not because you have to, but you really want to. It's in your heart. You have a willing heart to shepherd the flock of God. That's really the manner Number one, of what the she- how the shepherd should shepherd the flock of God. One Sunday morning, a, a wife wondered why her husband was still in bed. He shook him awake and said, Hey, why aren't you up and getting ready for church? Come on, we got to go. The husband's like, pulls covers over her and says, I don't feel like going. Besides, the people are so cold to me. And no one likes me. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. The wife said, well, that's not true. You know, the people in the church, they're, they're very warm there. And, and, and let me tell you, I know for a fact, they love you. Besides, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> it can be hard for pastors sometimes, but I'll give it to him. But no, we want to be there with the sheep. 
And wherever God has placed you, you want to be, you know, where, with, with whom God has placed you. According to his will, he's put you there. So wherever and however God has called you, we should all be willing to be there and fulfill our calling. And especially, think about it this way, especially with the fact, look what Jesus did for us. Yeah? No matter how hard, no matter what you're going through, look what Jesus did for us, and we want to have that same heart. So shepherd the flock of God in this manner, number one, with a willing heart. And number two, with a heart to serve others. With a heart to serve others. Now take a look at verse 2 once again. It, it goes on and it says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now shame for gain may, means you're not going to be a shepherd just to get something out of it. Yeah? Like to get money. Yeah? Well, this is my job, you know. Or some guys, they want to get rich off of it, right? Or a, pos- a position. Oh, if I'm a pastor or I'm a church leader, I can have this position. People will look up to me. Oh, I have power. No, that's shameful gain. But the church leaders should, um, not for shameful gain, but serve eagerly. And really that word is talking about serving, eager to help eager to serve so the heart is to help others the heart is to serve others and not you know what serve yourself Uh, one commentator grant richardson said this the pastor should feed the flock not fleece the flock and that's so sure that's so true right so whether you lead a ministry or, or 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 you serve in one i mean what's our motive what, what drives us? Is it to self-serving or is it really to serve God? I mean, that's what our hearts should be. I've seen too many people all the years I've been in ministry. I was trying to think, how many, how old am I? How many years has it been? And, and I think uh, like 45 years or so now, even before I was I was associate pastor and just serving. I've seen all kinds of people with all kinds of motives. Wanting to get up on stage or wanting to be in front of people for this or wanting to be the guy or the person. Wanting what they want. Pushing what they want in the church. Some people do that. They come into churches and they just push their agenda. They criticize and judge. But it's all self-serving. So Peter's like, no, we want to have that heart as leaders with a heart to serve others, not self. So shepherd the flock in this manner, number one, with a willing heart, with a heart to serve others. And the third thing we see here is with a heart to lead by example. A heart to lead by example. He goes on in verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, domineering means like uh, literally in the original language is lord it down, like like come down, you know, being a bully about things, being being all you know uh, intimidating. That's he's saying. Don't be like domineering in that way, but really be an example. Be an example of what what it looks like to follow Christ to be a follower of Jesus, to be a sheep of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. That's really the idea. So shepherds, church leadership, they lead by example. And notice, notice he, he says here in verse 3, being examples. Like as you're an example, people look to you and they will follow you. And that's the idea as you lead. Uh, if you... If you um, understand this, or if you you know realize this, we all understand that that you don't drive sheep like cattle, right? The shepherds lead the sheep, and so that's the whole picture here that Peter's saying. Look, look, lead by example here. That's what Jesus did. It's what our shepherd Jesus did in John 13. If you remember, on the last night of his life, he he washed the disciples' feet, and then he said, "Look, if if I have washed your feet." You also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. And that's who we are following. 
I like what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I mean, just stop and look at that. It's up on the screen, but think about that. We are all called to be an example in our speech, what we say, what comes out of our mouth, in, in our conduct, how we live our life, and how we love. I mean, that's convicting. Am I loving, you know, in a good example? Or do I put borders up? I only love if, if, if you know, uh, you, you know, if you stay within these boundaries. But past that, well, I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to forgive you. Are we example in our faith and trust in God or in our purity and how we live before the Lord, in our new life, in godliness and holiness? You know, let what we're reading here challenge each one of us. Wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, your families, your workplace, school, whatever that is, your group of friends or your fellowship, however, but be an example to those around you. Be an example. Lead them by example to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I, I mean, think about this. The world is looking at us too, right? Unbelievers that we're around at work or wherever, they're, they're looking at us. If we declare ourselves as a Christian, they're going to say, well, I never met one of you before. What do you like? What are we showing them? Right? We need to have that in mind. I remember um, long, long ago, I was associate pastor at uh, Calvary Chapel in California for 13 years. And um, um, the first time I was asked to preach in the big church, (laughs) it was kind of scary for me. And um, it was a Sunday morning. We had three services, maybe almost 2,000 people coming through. And and, and it, it was a little, you know, scary, me being that, that insecure, timid, fearful sheep. Ah, I'm not sure. Why did I say yes? I should have said no, you know, kind of thing, right? But you know what? The pastor wrote me a note. He wrote me a note, and he encouraged me. And among many things that he wrote, one of the things I'll never forget is he wrote this. He has been preparing you for this your whole life. Walk in that confidence. Let the Holy Spirit lift you. Be bold. Be genuine. Be yourself. Then he wrote this. But be what the older people, even the crowd, would like to be as they grow up in Christ. Heavy, though. Yeah? (laughs) But that's what God is calling us, yeah, to lead by example. Uh, uh, To have that heart to do that, to live in that manner, that People are watching us, you guys. Our kids, right, watch us. They're watching us. Well, this is the shepherd's heart. The mission, shepherd the flock of God. The manner, we saw those three things. Now let's come to number three, the motive. The motive. Here we're going to cover verse four. This is our last point. Number four, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory all right so peter finishes off this section here and 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 he says look you know with with this mindset of looking looking to what looking to when the chief shepherd appears who's the chief shepherd jesus christ he, he's not only the good shepherd as he talked about in john but he's the great shepherd and here he's the ch- chief shepherd he's the head guy And when he appears, speaks about what? Again, Peter brings this up, his second coming, when Jesus returns. And so he says, we're looking to that time. And if there's a chief shepherd, if there's a great shepherd, then all of us are really under-shepherds, yeah? We're just assistants. I'm an under-shepherd to the great shepherd. As a pastor here, I'm I'm just an under-shepherd, just trying to serve the Lord, you know, his sheep. I'm just trying to do what he wants calling me to do for his sheep, not mine. It's God's sheep because he's the great shepherd. And so Peter says in verse 4, and when the, sh- the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading, eternal crown of 
glory. What is that? Well, there's a lot of talk about what exactly the crown is. It could be a physical crown. We see in Revelation, remember when we studied that not too long ago, that, that the elders were casting their crown before Jesus. Uh, it, it, it's some sort of reward for our faithful service. You know what I, I think? I, I just focus in on not like the medal or, you know, something I'm going to wear on my head or cast or something. And maybe it's something like that. But for me, I'll tell you, my crown, or I would say God's crown, is his crown of approval. That's what I, I, I look at more and focus in on. That when we finally reach heaven, that God will reward us by saying this, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, isn't that, won't that bring us joy? Won't that go, yeah, Lord, I, I hung in there. Yeah, Lord, I, I stayed faithful. Even when it was hard, when the enemy's tempting me, always, that I hung on, no matter what anyone said, no matter what people did to me, no matter what the world did, God, I stayed your servant. And God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. To please God, to, to glorify him, to, to hear him say those words. I don't know about you, but that's my crown. That's my crown. And I like it's an unfading. It's an eternal, maybe God's appreciation and, and us knowing that, wow, whew, we made it through, made it to the other side. Oh, Lord, thank you. You know what? Some people go after other crowns, don't they? Crowns of fame, crowns of popularity, crowns for money, yeah, material things, or crowns of that status, or, or, or a crown of building my empire kind of thing. But I, there's really only one crown, and that's the crown that we have pleased God, that we have glorified him. So the last point, understand the motive to care for the sheep is to glorify Jesus. In the end, it's for God, right? It's for Jesus, not me. I stand up here, not, not me. I'm, God called me to pastor this church, but it isn't for me, but it's for Jesus. And everything I do is to fulfill the calling he's given me. No matter who's here, no matter who's not, no matter how many people, no, it, 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 no matter I know what I need to do as I serve my Lord and my Savior. And that's what I, what, what I want to motivate me, is Jesus, to glorify him. I like something Warren Wiersbe added to this whole thought. Uh, he wrote this, What a joy it will be to place the crown at his feet and acknowledge that all we did was because of his grace and power. I mean, that's what it really is saying. God, you rewarded, but you know, it's you. It was all you. You helped me. And then Wiersbe went on to say this, we have no desire for personal glory when we see Jesus Christ face to face. I just thought, I thought, wow, that's it, you guys. I mean, when we're before God, it's not, before God, it's not going to be about me, right? It's going to be, wow. Your God in all of his glory. I mean, imagine uh, Peter, right, and, and, and James and John got the glimpse of Jesus unveiled at the transfiguration. Some commentators were saying, yeah, that's, he said, I was a, they believe Peter's like saying earlier, I was a partaker. I, I saw Jesus unveiled in all of his glory. Maybe he's thinking about that, that one day he's going to see Jesus once again, in all of his glory, shining out. And at that moment, guys, we're not going to be thinking about ourselves. Oh, look what I did, Lord. And we're going to go, we're casting our crowns. We're going to say, oh, my Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. And so that even emphasizes more our motive to care for the sheep. It's for Jesus. It's to glorify him. What are you doing with what God has entrusted to you. What are you doing? Are you sitting on it? Maybe your gifts? God has is, is blessed you. God wants to use each one of us in his body. We've, we've talked about that in the past. Are you just sitting on that? What have you done with Jesus? Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Praise the Lord. I didn't. What are you doing with 
what God has given you the honor and privilege with? With Jesus, Jesus alone. How about the opportunities He's given you to serve or to, to get to church or to get into His Word? What, what are we doing with those things? What are we doing with what God has called us to be as an example or to share Jesus with people? What are we doing with those things God has entrusted to us? Are we doing things for ourselves? Or really to glorify Jesus, to make it about Jesus. I'll tell you, this, this is hard for me to preach because I'm not perfect in this. I've, I've failed you guys. And, and, and I was like, oh, Lord, can we skip this? You know, <laughs> come to the other part. Or, oh, Lord. I, it, it was hard because I'm not perfect. But I do desire, and I'm sure all of us, we desire to do better in the mission, in the manner, in the motive, in what we've seen. You know, and, and it made me think about how I grew up in the Lord, where I was, where I found Christ and was born again. And that was way back in the whole Jesus movement at Calvary Chapel under Pastor Chuck. I know you've probably been hearing there's the move, new movie coming out, and if you can, go see it. Um, what's it called? Jesus Revolution. And I just remembered yesterday or today, like, oh, yeah, I read that book when it came out the other year. And uh, uh, the, it's made from the creators of I Can Only Imagine. And it's about Pastor Greg Laurie and um, uh, Pastor Chuck and the ministry and the whole Jesus movement that happened at the end of the 60s into the 70s. Well, you know what? I'm fruit of that. I got, I got saved in the 70s during that time. I remember all that that was going on. As I stand here, it, it's because it's fruit from that time. And, and so I'm just trying to do my best in what I was discipled in. I mean, my wife and I, we were at Pastor Chuck's church, maybe Pastor Chuck's church, for like 12 years, I think, before we went on to another Calvary Chapel, and then I went on staff there. But, you know, this, that, I was thinking, well, I'm going to see that, because that's, that's where I was saved, what I remember. I remember those days. I remember, you know what? was awesome about that time not just people hippies right i wasn't a hippie i was past that time but people were coming to jesus christ i mean droves you know of, of, of people were being saved and and getting baptized in the water and and with that though came this great passion and interest for the bible me too i i couldn't get enough of church i i, I was there almost every day Every, every day of school of Bible, Great Glory Monday night, uh, Wednesday was youth group. I, I was 14 when I, when I got saved. Uh, Thursday was midweek. Uh, Friday, uh, during the summer, they had movie. Saturday morning was musician's fellowship. I, I, I was a musician and uh, concert Saturday night. And then Sunday, we had Sunday morning church, youth group, and then Sunday night study. I, I was there every day. I, I couldn't get enough of Jesus and the Word of God. There was a great interest in the Bible. There was a great interest in sharing Jesus. I remember going out with my friends and we, we, we go out to, I remember going to Hollywood one day <laughs> and West Hollywood and trying to share Jesus. There's all kind of crazy people. I mean, like there was a Jewish corner, um, the Moonies, there's Jehovah's Witness and all kinds of crazy stuff. But, you know, everyone had this fire, like, no, you got to know Jesus. you got to know Jesus. Worship was awesome. Did you know that today's Christian music and worship we enjoy today, it started then. I remember the first bands coming. Before, it was piano, organ. I remember when they brought drums into church, and, and everyone's like, what? That's the devil. That's, that comes from Africa, and they worship the devil, and that's... That, no, you can't bring that into church. I remember the controversy over that. I Me, mean, I, I'm a kid. That was my music. I go, oh, this is awesome. I remember the afterglows, the times and the, the moving of the spirit. And, you know, after some services, go to a fellowship hall and just worship and pray. And the Holy Spirit move and uh, the words of knowledge and prophetic words. It was just, it was an amazing time. There was a strong move of the Holy Spirit. There was a strong sense of 
fellowship and oneness and, and a, a passion for the Word of God. You know, it was during that time that new translations were being published, all kinds. It was that time that Bible programs that we listen to on the radio now exploded. It was during that time that, that Christian publishers were putting out all these books and Christian bookstores started to pop up all over. That was the late 60s into 70s, and that turned into 80s and the 90s, and the church kept going, and a lot of my pastor friends got saved out of that time. And But look today, this is what I was thinking about. What have we done with what we've been entrusted with? Look today, since that time, we've drifted. You know what church is now? It's more like a popular hangout. I'll go if it works for me. Sheep seem to want entertainment more than coming before our holy God and worshiping him. Sheep want to feel good now more than, well, you're a little harsh here. You're, you're, uh, you're getting too close to my sin and what I, I want to allow. Sheep kind of redefine now the church, really, what the life of faith is. The life of faith, well, church is about, well, are, are you going to wow me? I want to feel the emotion. You've got to please me. And what are we doing? We're pleasing ourselves in that, right? It's not about Jesus and God. It's about me. Well, is this for me? It's not, well, I don't know. I'm going to go somewhere. I feel like the fire for Jesus had been replaced by desires more for an experience. The new goal really is make me happy. That's the goal. Not Jesus, no matter what. I remember before in the Jesus movement, the basis of our life of faith was the Word of God. The object of our life of faith is Jesus, Jesus Christ. The goal in our life of faith was, you know what? Holiness, living out our new life in God, godliness. Satan has diverted it all. We've been wooed wooed away and distracted. The basis, you know, now of, of the life of faith is all my experience. The object is now my agenda, my preference. The goal is no longer holiness, but happiness, what pleases me. And I say all this as God has called me here as your shepherd, under shepherd to Christ at Upcountry Calvary Chapel. I'm telling you my heart. I'm seeing these things. And my heart is I want to lead you away from making things all about me. But getting back to Jesus. Jesus. That's what it's about. We are in the end times. We're, we're rolling fast into that. These are our Dark times in the sense that, that Satan and evil, it's strong. And we see it in our society and the world. The world is getting prepared for the tribulation time, for the Antichrist to uh, be received. That's what's going on. And, and some of the fight is that. I see as more I stick to the word of God and I make commitments, God, no, I want it to be about you. I want, I want this church to be about you. That There's pushback from the enemy here. Oppression. On me, I see it in, in, in some of the leaders here. I see things in their life all of a sudden, boom, boom, being attacked. But my heart, I want you to know in this, is to lead you to Jesus, to keep the Word of God here and our focus on that. That's why I'm here. That's my heart. So I want you to know that. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I failed many times. But I, I want to get better. I want to grow. And, and I want to bring Jesus as the main thing here. I'll close with this. Vance Havner, he wrote this. The church has no greater need today than to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Where are you? Where am I? Am I really passionately loving Jesus? That, that's what it felt like, you know, back in the Jesus movement. 
It was, it was about, it was, it was this love for Jesus. Where are you? Where, where is that passion? Has other things influenced you, crowded your heart? You guys, we need that. We need that again. And that's what God has placed in my heart as we close this up. And, and let me tell you, that is God's heart also. And he's ultimately the one that holds the shepherd's heart, right? The shepherd's heart. Let's pray. Uh, let's all stand. God, as we <clears throat> close out the service here in prayer and worship, Lord, we want to make it about you, and not about me or the pastor or any one of us, God, or our agenda, our thoughts, and our judgments and criticisms and this and opinions and that. Lord, it's, it's not wrong, but God, we want to place them all in surrender to you. And we also don't want any of that to hinder, God, our commitment to you and to, to be in this body, to be in the church, God, to be part of, Lord, what you're doing. Lord, your heart is for us and our heart should be for you so lord let us make that commitment today but i pray for anyone here who's been wandering been lost it's time to get back in the fold pray for anyone who is, has never been saved it's time to give your heart to jesus to ask him into your heart to ask him to forgive you of your sins, to repent, turn from your sins. That's what God calls us to, and to come to him, and Christ is right there. Lord, I pray for anyone to be saved right now. Lord, I pray for anyone online at the sound of my voice, if they're listening even to this later, God, that in the conviction of your spirit, we would respond, that we would all respond bond to what you're saying, that we wouldn't walk out of here or turn off the stream or, or hit stop on the player and not do nothing. <coughs> Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to live for Christ, to turn from that old life. No more tired of it, but to move forward and press on in you, God. And Lord, as we stand before you, we want to stand for you, God. And we want to say, Lord, my life is for you, nothing else. I give you my life right now. And wherever you have me, help me fulfill my calling, Lord. Wherever you, you're calling me to be, may I go there. And when I step out, Jesus, I ask that you would empower all of us because we cannot do it without you. We are weak, sorry kind of beings, Lord. We fail you. We stumble. But Lord, you pick us up, dust us off, and you get us going again. And God, we want to get going again. So fill us, God. Give us your Holy Spirit. May you fill us as we sing. May we fill us as we declare you in our worship and declare our heart to you, God. And may you be blessed. May you be, be pleased, God, as we commit everything to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.